Are there any good alternatives to college? Are you looking for more relevant post-high school experiences that will actually help prepare your kids for real life? That's the topic of today's episode on the Dorenda Wilson podcast. Welcome, everyone. I'm Dorenda, wife to one, mom to eight, Nana to 10, and 28-year veteran homeschooling mom. I'm also the author of The Unhurried Homeschooler, a simple, mercifully short book on homeschooling, The Four-Hour School Day, How You and Your Kids Can Thrive in the Homeschool Life, and Unhurried Grace for a Mom heart, 31 Days in God's Word. You can find all three of those books at Amazon. You can also find them at my website, DorendaWilson.com, and you can find the four-hour school day at any of your favorite booksellers in addition to the places that I just mentioned. Also, if you would like the digital devotional called Encouraging a Homeschool Heart um, that accompanies the four-hour school day, you can have that for free if you just sign up for my monthly email newsletter. I'll leave a link in the show notes for that. And also, in the last several months, this podcast has gone from 60,000 downloads a month to over 100,000. And one of the reasons is that you have shared and you have left reviews and ratings, which allows more moms to find out about it. So if you've been encouraged here on the Dorenda Wilson podcast, please take a minute to rate and or review on your favorite podcast platform. Finally, are you looking for a new math curriculum? CTC Math specializes in providing online video tutorials that take a multi-sensory approach to learning. Creative graphics and animations synchronized with the friendly voice of internationally acclaimed teacher Pat Murray make learning math fun, easy, and effective. CTS, CTC is favorably reviewed by Kathy Duffy's 103 Top Picks and the Old Schoolhouse Crew Review. The lessons are short and concise to help your child break down concepts and appreciate math in a whole new way. Visit ctcmath.com today to start your free trial at ctcmath.com. I'll leave a link in the show notes. Be sure to listen for information that I'll be sharing at the end of the episode after prayer on an exciting resource from Classical Conversations. All right, let's dive into our topic for today. We have all been repeatedly, incessantly told that the traditional college setting is the only path to success. But the truth is, in my opinion, and in I think a lot of other people's opinion as well, the college setting is all but obsolete. Now, only one of our eight kids went the college route, but all have been successful with or without college. I have a series of podcast episodes where I interviewed each of our grown kids who shared their journey after high school and where they are now. So I'll leave a link in the show notes to each of those so you can listen to those if you'd like. But this year, I have spoken at nine homeschool conferences, and I have noticed more and more alternatives being offered for high school graduates. So over time, I'm going to continue to add to this new series on college alternatives. But today, Andrew Chambers is here to share what Excel College has to offer. Andrew Chambers is the head of campus life at Excel College in Black Mountain, North Carolina. Excel is an innovative Christian college forging a new educational path for students to become wise, mature, and productive adults who live purposeful, fulfilling lives. He and his wife, Charity, live on campus with their two boys, Evan and Jesse, and love every minute. All right. Welcome. Thank you so much for being here with us today, Andrew. Thanks so much for having me, Dorinda. 
Well, I'm excited to hear the details on this, you know, because you look at the pamphlet and you're like, I think I'm getting an idea of what this all is about, but I'm, I'm excited to hear more of the details and give parents some idea of what you have to offer there. So I'm going to start by asking how your program is the same as traditional college, uh, a traditional college program and how it's different. Because I think that's probably often the first thought in a parent's mind. Yeah, that's a great question. So, you know, I tell students, so one of our, you know, our kind of marketing language is we want to teach students how to build a life, not just make a living. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, that's how we're different, I would say, because we tell students, like, when you come here, we care as much or actually more about, are you, when you graduate, are you prepared and ready to build healthy marriage and family mm-hmm. as you are to get a great job? Now, we think mm-hmm. having a great job is part of, right, being prepared to raise a family. Sure, well. sure, absolutely. But it's not all of who we are. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so I would say that's the main difference. So, you know, the university I went to, um, I would say I wasn't, we think, ed, you know, here we think education is as much about, is more about life impartation than it is about knowledge transfer. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I would say, so I'd say the main difference is in a, you know, traditional university, you're getting more of the knowledge transfer, but here we're really trying to give the life or to, in part, the life transformation into wise, mature, productive adults who are following Jesus into a life of flourishing. So. Mm, I love that. I know from experience, just walking with our kids after high school, um, just how challenging it was and how much there was still left to be learned um, in terms of sort of transitioning into I guess you would call it adulting on, on many different levels. And so I I think it's interesting because, you know, we ended up doing it with our kids, but I can see the benefit of maybe our kids going somewhere else and having, especially at that age, having more um, healthy outside input and mentorship and things like that to really affirm what the parents have been teaching them all these years. Absolutely. And, and that's actually what we tell parents because, you know, we have parents all the time ask us, like, how involved are parents? And, and we tell them, like, we want to be we want to partner with you um, right. and, and actually continue the journey that you started. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And it's one of the reasons we resonate with a lot of homeschool parents so much is because, like, they were intentional about I don't want the state to educate my kids. Right. I'm not farming out their discipleship. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to take responsibility for that. And we're actually trying to take that baton and continue continue running with it. Which I think is fantastic because I I know that for us, um, when our kids got into high school, starting very young, we tried to just gently encourage ownership of their education, of their life. It's, it was a, you know, years and years process. And with the hope of in high school, they're embracing pretty much all of it, um, if not all of it at that point. But some take a little longer than others. Some need um, experiences to help sort of uh, almost put the finishing touches on what mom and dad have been trying to do. And sometimes they really do that best outside of the home because they're ready for uh, to start their life. And it's a way to start their life as an adult, but to do it in an environment that's going to, like I said, support and affirm all the things that their parents have taught them. And um, so what a gift to be able to give that to families who have worked so hard and invested so well um, into their kids. Yeah, absolutely. And honestly, I tell people every day, it's a gift for us. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I love that. 
I love that. So, um, yeah, I was thinking also that particular age, that age bracket of like graduating from high school um, till they're finally married, whenever that is, um, it is super challenging. Um, we have in terms of just it's challenging as parents to to navigate how to walk alongside them. Um, and really just sort of be more of a consulting role and less of a coaching role at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also, um, like our daughter, she said, there's just, she's 21 and she's like, mom, there's just, there's just nothing for us if we don't go to college. And, you know, the chances of having like a, a even a Bible study at church that, that connects them with other uh, people in their church, their age is hard to find. Um, it's like so many of that age group, there, there's so much more online and not necessarily in real real life. Because I know when I was uh, single, you know, from 18 to 21, um, I went to a church and there were lots of young people my age and we did things together because mm-hmm. there was, there were no cell phones and, you know, that was our only option. If we wanted to, to, to do something with others, we had to physically get out and do it with them. And, and now that's not so much the case. And I feel like um, it's kind of hindering uh, that particular age group. So to be able to make connections, not just with mentors, but with peers um, in an environment that is, um, you know, protective of what they're learning, but also or of what they've learned through the years and how they've been trained, but also challenging, challenging to them. So, uh, and with that in mind, how is the classroom run at the college and how is the Socratic method applied? And so you might want to explain the Socratic method because I don't know that everybody knows what that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, absolutely. And can I tag onto something that you just said? Sure. Too, yes, absolutely. So I think that what you just said is hugely important because, you know, the generation coming up is the most connected and yet disconnected mm-hmm, generation mm-hmm, of all time. Mm-hmm. But a thing that most people miss is that this, this journey into adulthood and the need for that journey to happen, like that transition from adolescence into adulthood is not going away. Right, right. And and, and for years in America, like you said at the beginning, that journey, had, college has taken that role, like, hey, we will do that journey or we will facilitate that journey for your, for your child. Um, and I think what's happened in the last decade or two decades is parents are starting to say, I'm not really liking how you're facilitating that journey. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you exactly. Know, but, and it's costing me a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, absolutely. And so people have started. And so what I've seen starting to happen, even in the, in the college sphere is people are like, okay, well, instead of making it a four year journey, now let's actually just give them the skills training so they can get into the marketplace, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. skills training is great. And we do that here, but they're still missing the journey aspect and they're still missing the actually becoming an adult aspect. Right. Right. Cause they're still, they're not, <sighs> developmentally, they are not adults yet at 18. There's still growth and development that's happening and needs to happen. And I think if we can um, connect them to experiences that are uh, appropriate, biblical, uh, challenging, all of that, the right kinds of experiences, um, it really facilitates a healthy development into full-on adulthood. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so so when we talk about you know, how we run the classroom and how we run the skills training or, you know, the part of our program that we call it the practical where students are actually going and finding skills training. Uh, all of it's important to know all that happens in the context of a community 
that is discipling and that is looking to build, you know, make, make disciples and build families. Um, Mm -hmm. And so we could, you know, so when I talk about the classroom, without that community portion, the classroom is still not going to have the impact that we want it to have. Right, right. Um, And so, but so with that, so yeah, the way the classrooms run is so we, we have a, you know, what's traditionally called the liberal arts. And so we, we walk through your, you know, critical thinking, theology, philosophy, mathematics, all the way up into anthropology. And then we studied the fine arts in Italy. Um, but what we do is we actually, we're convinced that if all truth is God's truth and education should be about coming to understand reality, um, then what we're, what we're actually trying to do is, is helping students come to understand the nature of reality. And so for us, every subject is connected and they're not isolated um, you know, so like when I was in school, I took economics 103 and philosophy 107. And my question was, what do these have to do with each other? Right. <laughs> uh, but we think we, so now I actually understand they have everything to do each, with each other. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so what we do is we do one course at a time. So they start with critical thinking and then they start with theology and it's actually so- Socratic. So I'll take a break for a second to go into Socratic. So Socratic is essentially discovery based learning where instead of having a, a lecturer, that uh, that uh, transfers information to you. You have, uh, you know, Socrates, Socratic. You have a you have a guide that actually asks questions that help lead students into discovery. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way that we do it is in every subject we we read the greatest minds of all time. Um, you know, so in theology we're reading Thomas Aquinas and C.S. Lewis, but also like uh, Bertrand Russell, and we're reading Augustine and. Um, that approach the subject from different points of view. Mm-hmm. And and then it, because it's question-based, what our facilitators do is actually, they actually guide students in a discussion that helps lead them to discovery. And so, for example, so week one in theology, the question is, is God even real? Mm. Uh, and we think that so, you know, the fear of the Lord is beginning wisdom. So that's the foundation of all education. Right, right. And so after you answer that question and we say, okay, we think he is real. The week two, the question is, okay, what's he like? Mm-hmm. Um, and then week three, we have a question of, okay, what's his problem, right? Because we established we think he's good, but what's going on here? <laughs> and then week four is what's his solution? And and what we found is, you know, theology is the queen of the science. And C.S. Lewis said, if you have bad theology, then you're going to have bad philosophy. Mm. And so we've got to get the theology part right. And so when they're in theology, they're in theology for a whole month and they're camping out there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then the next month we go into philosophy and they're in philosophy for the whole month and they're camping out there Mm -hmm. uh, and they're asking questions like, what is knowledge? What is real? um, What is good? And those answers, you know, get tied back to what, what was their theological beliefs? Right, right, right. Because everything's anchored in the theology. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But then everything gets anchored to the subject before, to all the subjects before. And so when you get up into anthropology and we're starting to ask questions like, is man an animal? Um, we're referring back to our, some of our discussions in theology and philosophy and mathematics and physics and biology to answer that. Right. Um, right. And then sociology, when you have questions around abortion or, or marriage, um, you can't actually, we don't think you can actually address those questions until your theology and philosophy has been, has been, um, you know, discussed and honed in and, and discovered. Right. So basically what you're doing, what I'm hearing you say is you're teaching and guiding and showing how to think biblically and how to take all the information and ask the right questions so you come to the right 
um, to the right answers, which is discernment. Absolutely. And, okay. and, and they actually are learning how to think from themselves and mm-hmm. establishing that, that foundation of God's wisdom so that they can approach questions from the, you know, as the world delivers questions in the form of right. marketing. And, you know, Which stuff. is what they're going to run into for the rest of their lives. So, yeah. Yeah. So knowing how to, yeah, ask those right questions and have everything tethered to um, correct biblical theology is, is absolutely crucial. Um, Okay. So um, Mike, here's a question that I have for you. So if, um, so let's just, what kind of degrees do you offer? Yeah. Great question. So, so we offer one degree program. It's a called it's called a uh, bachelor's degree in religious studies, integrated economy, and critical thinking. And students get that because they all take that core program, those those core subjects together. Right. But then they emphasize in whatever field that they wanna they wanna focus on. Okay. Um, and so how that works is you might have a student that wants to get into data analytics or construction or uh, you know carpentry. Uh, or classical education. And so after they pursue the core program, they'll actually pursue experience through internships or apprenticeships in whatever field they want to focus in. Okay. Okay. So, Mm -hmm. so how long is the uh, program? How long would a, would a young person be in the program before they got to that point? Yeah. So, so the core program is 15 months long. Okay. And then the, the practicum is also 15 months long. So the whole thing is 30 months and it's actually continuous. Okay. Um, Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Okay. So, uh, do students then receive college credits and is this a recognized college degree? Yeah, that's a great question. So under the state of North Carolina, we've been given the authority to issue bachelor's degrees under the religious exemption status. Okay. Okay. Uh, So what that means is we can give them college credit and we can issue bachelor's degrees, but we're not under accreditation. And I can talk about why that is for Okay. But, yes. Um, Actually, why don't you just go ahead and explain that? I, yeah, I think our listeners would love to know why why that's not something you are pursuing. Yeah, absolutely. So whenever I talk to people about accreditation, I typically ask the first question, like, how's that going? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, how's that going for you? Absolutely. Yeah. It's a really good question. And yeah, and our whole, you know, our... You know, accreditation is not a ba- inherently a bad thing, right? right? I mean, like you want to make sure that if, from a consumer protection standpoint, you want to make sure that you're that you're giving your money somewhere that uh, is accountable. Sure, um, sure. And which we still have that accountability with the state. And so, but but for what we've recognized is that you know the the accreditation systems in America, and there's you know there's your regional accredit accreditors and your state accreditors. Um, they are they're built to operate under that Humboldtian model of education that's highly specialized mm-hmm. and research oriented and all about just getting students into the marketplace. And so when we bring things like the Socratic method and the liberal and and, you know, um, the subjects that make up the liberal arts in a way that instead of having a Ph.D. professor for each subject that goes really, really deep, what we actually have is generalist teachers that actually stay with the students the whole time and guide them through the mm. Oh, so basically kind of like a discipleship. It's more like a Hebrew method. That's exactly, well, it's a Hebrew, that's exactly right. Mm. Uh, you got that right off. Um, <laughs> and, and, well, that's exactly right. And our, so our, our accreditation systems in this country aren't set up to recognize that. So that's No, I see. And that's the thing. Like, I feel like that is the least effective way 
for our kids to be educated is through that Greek method of, you know, here's the information and there's just no relationship. There's no questioning. There's no wondering. There's no coming to your own, letting them come to their own conclusions on things. Um, Gosh, wow. That's amazing. I love that. I love that because I talk about this um, off and on, like either on the podcast or when I'm doing uh, workshop sessions at conferences, I will mention the difference between the Greek method and the Hebrew method. And and it's just, it's such a vast difference. And pretty much every um, every educational approach out there, and there are a lot of them, oh, yeah. uh, fall under one category or the other. And yep. so I feel like as homeschooling parents, we have the privilege, the honor, the responsibility, um, and the opportunity to take the Hebrew method and apply it to our homeschooling. Um, so this would be, again... Uh, just Excel college would be like a continuation of that, which I love. I think that's great. Absolutely. And, and, you know, um, do you, you can ask parents too, like, do you want your kids to just be able to memorize and regurgitate every piece of information Mm -hmm. that comes Mm -hmm. before them? Or do you actually want them to, to learn how to interconnect? Like God is not the God just of theology, but he's the God of like sanitation, (laughs) you know, And, and economics and, and, like, do you want them to be able to actually uh, see things, see information come their way and actually assess it and think about it critically mm-hmm. and, and weigh it against God's truth? And so that's that's the one part of why we're not credited. But then the second part is, um, historically speaking, college was not meant to be in the skills training game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure a lot of your audience knows that. But um, like, you know, you didn't go to Harvard for a blacksmithery degree in the 1800s. Right. Um, <laughs> you went set up under a blacksmith mm. and, mm-hmm. and that's what our conviction is that the marketplace is the best teacher. Mm-hmm. And, and that 90% of industries, I was actually on the classical conversations podcast with Robert Bortons and, and, um, or refining rhetoric, sorry, was the name of his, but, and I said 80% of industries you can get into without having the traditional four year credit degree. And he's like, ah, oh, I think that's actually 90%. And I was like, okay, we'll go with that. Um, and, <laughs> and so, but our conviction is like, most employers, you know, whatever you think about about um, President Trump, one of the good things he did in office in 2019 was he issued an executive order that the federal government was to hire not based off of uh, where you got your degree, but actually off of qualification and experience. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and, you know, the federal government is typically kind of behind the times. And that's after IBM, Apple, right. Google, right. Tesla, none of those guys hire based off of your degree, they hire based off of your experience. And that's, we think our conviction is that's the way that the nation is starting to move, but it's actually not a new way. It's an old way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And we're just trying to combine. So we're trying, but so, but a lot of people have vocational and skills training. Right. And so what we think where we're different is we combine that formational foundational worldview, skills training and community together to produce a holistic Right. So what I'm hearing you say, because there's parents out there who might not know this, um, when you refer back to uh, back in the day um, when Harvard first started, we didn't go there to to get skills. We didn't students attend to think, to learn to think, to, you know, the the very things that you're describing are happening at Excel. Yeah. So, you know, uh, well, originally not everyone went to college, like going to college right. was a huge privilege that was reserved for the leaders of tomorrow. Right. 
and they went to learn to think, but also to f- become wise and mature and to form character. Mm-hmm. And then if you wanted skills training, you went and got it from the, the master in that field. And that, and what happened was when the industrial revolution hit college became the gateway into the economy and got into the skills training game. And our conviction is that it never belonged there. I, so. I would agree with that completely. I, I talk also about the industrial revolution in, in one of my talks where, you know, just reminding parents that, you know, that's when the shift happened in education and, you know, things became mechanized and methodical, um, which was a super, it was a super great help, a super helpful thing when it came to production and producing things. But unfortunately we applied that to, to education and we lost the heart of education. Um, it got caught up in this whole performance-based instead of purpose-driven um, kind of thing. And so that's where I think I love the fact that we as homeschooling parents can take that back. And now institu- institutions like yours, places like your colleges like uh, yours is continuing that um, past high school, which I think is fantastic. Um all right. So uh, the question, these are more practical questions. Yeah. Will, uh, will Excel College recognize credit and experience attained from external organizations? Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's a great question. So those are actually dialogues and conversations that we're having right now uh, because we're recognizing that so many people are coming in, you know, especially in the push to get out of high school early, are doing dual enrollment credits. Mm-hmm, and. Mm-hmm. So right now we do accept a certain amount of credit towards your practicum. So towards right. your skills training. So we do do that right now. Uh, we currently haven't, or, you know, in the past we haven't accepted any credit towards the core program um, because it's, because we actually built that from scratch and it's, right. and, and our conviction is that you need to go through it. And that's still our conviction, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but we're having conversations around how do we honor people's previous credit if it wasn't just in the skills training realm. So Sure, sure. That makes total sense. It's because it's a different um, approach altogether. It's challenging, I'm sure, to figure out how do they, you know, how do you reconcile those together yeah. and, and make it the most beneficial for the student. Um, the other question is, will other universities award credit for Excel college courses? Yeah, that's a great question. So uh, what we've done is within our, we've, we've made a way to where, so like when you leave our core program and enter into our practicum, mm-hmm. you, you can get your skills training in a couple of different ways. Um, mm-hmm. You can do that through, you know, going to an employer and getting your skills trained, you know, doing an apprenticeship, or we have a partnership with a local um, vocational school called AB tech um, down here in Asheville. And, and some students actually pursue their skills training in a vocational field. Like, so, so some fields as in nursing, Mm -hmm. um, you know, radiology, even accounting, you have to go through the, or pair, you know, emergency medicine, you have to go through the traditional system for, and so what we've done is we've established a way for them to, to partner with AB Tech to do that. Okay, very so. cool. That's really awesome. So um, another question, when, uh, let's just say a student just does all their schooling with Excel College, they graduate, they get this degree. Now, if they go to an employer that's looking to hire them and they show this degree, are they, is there going to be a problem at all um, on the employer's end of accepting that type of degree? Uh, do you have any thoughts on that? 
Yeah. So no. So uh, what we're not only going to do is going to they're going to have the degree, but then they're going to have actually the experience, the fifteen months of experience that they got in the skills training listed on their resume. Okay. Okay. Uh, and, and so typically, employers, you know, you're going to show your employment experience. That's going to be on the top. Now, but I'll tell you areas where it would be an issue right now, and that would be um, if you're going to be a medical doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, we're probably not the school for you right now, sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because they won't take those, those credits, you know, sure, uh, sure. and then, um, but, and then there's certain realm we're actually, we're actually talking with a potential partner right now about how to fix the public education problem. Because right now, um, because of the accreditation thing, our students can't work into public education. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're talking with a, 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 with a potential partner that is accredited, on if we can build a pathway there. And so those would be the, yeah, besides those industries though, um, we're good to go. So that's awesome. That's awesome. Okay. So, um, question on the requirements in terms of SAT or ACT scores. Do you require those from students? Uh, no, because we don't care if they're good test takers. (laughs) (laughs) I like you. That is awesome. (laughs) I bet every homeschool mom out there is going, yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. So to wrap things up, we're just going to bring it down to the practical, practical end that I'm sure that moms, uh, parents who are listening are wondering about the cost, the yeah. debt, because that's another big, huge problem with current, the current college situation is just getting up to your eyeballs in debt. And we did not, we told all of our kids, look, we're not paying for your college. Um, you know, and, but we'll, you know, we'll provide you a place to live. We'll do your laundry. We'll make meals for you. You know, you don't have to do any of the normal adulting things. As long as you're in college full time, you can, you know, obviously we're still, okay. A little side note, moms, they still have to do some chores around the house. So just don't think they get out (laughs) of all of it. Just, uh, yeah, just, just to, just to be sure that's clear. Um, they're still part of the family and all of that. But at the end of the day, our contribution was, look, you don't have to worry about, um, all these other things. Um, because we want you to be able to focus on this, but then also we said we can't pay for it. So uh, they, our, our son, one of our sons went all the way through another one, went for a while um, and then just said this, I can't, in his words, he said, I cannot spend any more time with these stupid people. It's the, (laughs) it was the peers around him. It was a community college and it was just absolutely insane. It was the year that Trump got into office and there were all these safe places and crying people and oh, all man. that. So yeah, he right. was like, I've got to get out of here. You couldn't take it. Yeah. But anyway, um, <laughs> our other son, you know what? It's amazing. Finan- he did dual enrollment, financial aid, and some scholarships. And after five years of college, uh, had a bachelor's degree and two had two minors in, I don't even remember what, but anyway, he was debt. He didn't have any debt at all. Amazing. So it is Amazing. possible. He worked also. So, you know, it's, you know, it's possible, but again, let's bring it back down to what it, what, what's the deal with Excel college and debt, money, tuition, all of that. Yeah, that's a great question. So we actually have a debt-free commitment to our students, um, that they'll start with no loans and end with no debt. Mm, um, I love it. And the reason is how can we say our whole thing is we want to set students up to flourish. Right. And so, mm-hmm. How can we say that we're doing that if, the, if we're saddling you with debt on the way exactly, out? Exactly, exactly. Um, and then you have to balance that with, hey, so we're we're trying to do a new way of education 
without government money, because with government money comes government strings. Absolutely. Um, amen. And, Moms are saying amen to that too. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and, and trying to be sustainable. And so what we say, we, we have an approachable model um, where, you know, you've heard the concept, it takes a village to raise the child. And mm-hmm. so, and we're trying to do that same concept, it takes a village to put them through, to put them through college debt free. And so what <laughs> we've done is, the, so every student actually has to work while they're here. Um, we don't care, not at Excel, but like within the, you know, Black Mountain sure. Nashville area. Right. And we don't care if their parents make 30000 a year or a million dollars a year. You're going to get a J-O-B because it's good for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so they actually, so students pay a third of their tuition on their own. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, tuition includes everything. So rent, utilities, all that kind oh, of stuff. Oh, that's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, they pay a third of that on their own. And they can make all of that money while they're working in school. And so we've actually set aside time for them to be able to work and earn that. Mm -hmm. Um, We ask parents to partner with them for a third. Right. Uh, And then we actually go out and raise the other third. And and essentially what we talk to people about is, hey, we're we're doing, we're helping this next generation of students graduate debt-free without government strings. And we're trying to set them up for life. Will you, will you join us? And that's great. And, and that's, and that's what we're doing. And so, you know, over two and a half years. So like I said, it's continuous over two and a half years. Um, the costs right now. So we're in 2023 right now. So if you're listening to this in 2027, you know, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I hope we'll be around the same, but, um, but um, it's about $50,000 okay. um, for that two and a half years, but a student will have, or sorry, between student and parent, that's about $50,000, but a student will cover like 24 to 25 of that just while they're here. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And, uh, and then, you know, we, we, we work with parents and help and actually help them think about and build out like how, how is, how can we make this work for your family as well? Because, right. Right. Yeah. So does that, was I, did I hear you right? Does that include, uh, housing, food? Oh yeah. Right. That. Okay. Okay. Dinners. Yeah. Big. Yeah. That's ah. a, that's a big deal. That's ah. really makes a difference. So yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. Very cool. All right. Well, I am so grateful that you've been here today. Did we miss anything? Is there anything you want to make sure that you communicate to the audience? Well, no, and I think we touched on it, but I just, I just, I just want to drive the point home is like sure. for us building healthy people, build healthy families, build healthy communities, build mm-hmm. a healthy world. Mm-hmm. And, and so when you graduate, we want you to be a healthy and whole person who loves Jesus, knows how to love mm-hmm. a family well, and mm-hmm. be a great member of community. And if you can make eighty thousand dollars a year and like by working a practical job, that's mm-hmm. awesome. Yes, um, but more importantly, you're a healthy and whole person mm-hmm. who's following Jesus into a life of flourishing, mm-hmm. and that that's our thing. So, Amen. Love that. Well, would you mind closing in a quick word of prayer? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So God, I just thank you for, um, Dorinda and her, and her podcast and her audience and, um, the way that she has, uh, impacted and benefited people all over the country. I was talking to a mother the other night that was just talking about the way that, um, you know, unheard homeschooler has, has ministered to her as she's mm-hmm. leading her family or leading her kids through homeschool. She's got not, like a lot of kids. Um, <laughs> and, and so God, I just thank you for that. And I ask that you would multiply your impact and I'd Pray for every parent listening to this. It's not an easy cultural environment to be raising kids in right now. So God, give us wisdom and grace. Thank you that we have it in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. 
All right. Well, moms, before you leave, I want to leave you with a uh, an all new resource from Classical Conversations. It's called Scribblers at Home, Recipes from Lifelong Learners, an at-home curriculum for homeschool families with children ages four to eight. Step-by-step activities and easy-to-follow charts will help you cultivate a love of lifelong learning in your child through intentional everyday play. Find magic in the mundane as your kitchen becomes a classroom, your backyard becomes a laboratory, and your child develops simple learning rhythms that will carry them through life. You can use Scribblers at Home to complement the Classical Conversations Foundations program or just on its own. Either way, this new resource will help homeschool parents of little learners create a family environment where habits like playing, praying, and reading come naturally. I hope you'll check it out. You can learn more about this at classicalconversations.com slash scribblers dash Dorinda. I'll leave a link in the show notes. Have a great day. 